This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Wednesday, May 10th. The forecast, sunny this morning, a mixture of sun and cloud by afternoon, a very nice high of 24 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, the Leafs facing the Panthers in a do-or-die playoff. Number two, gas prices up five cents a liter. Number three, a Mother's Day message is removed from a Toronto school. Number four, pressure to lower breast cancer testing to 40. And number five, a civil jury finds Donald Trump. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. And I don't think it makes any sense for us to, to sit here and focus on coming all the way back. Because you can't, there's only one game on the schedule right now. So let, let, let's focus on... That one game, we need to win that one game. But our team needs to take care of this situation right now. Everybody has to play their role, give us everything that they have, win one game, bring this thing back to Toronto. Can't really focus too much on the outside noise, what you guys are saying, what everybody's saying. I mean, it doesn't really matter. All we can focus on is uh, how we approach this game and uh, the mental side of it uh, and coming in with a purpose and focusing on uh, just one game here. You know, we know obviously what's at stake. We know what we got to do. And um, you know, we've been a team that our back against the walls and you know situations this year that uh, we've came through on top so I'm um, just take it uh, coming tomorrow with uh, you know just a mindset that uh, belief and knowing that we can do it and just take it one game at a time 509 on a Wednesday morning that is somewhat freighted and fraught for the city of Toronto Nick I guess you could have chosen a bunch of songs to play I guess if we wanted to be defeatist we could have started with uh, I will remember you <laughs> Or turn out the lights, the party's over. uh, There are many, many tunes. Let's be hopeful. And um, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to weigh in on this. I'll I'll wait because Matt Cause is going to be with us this morning. I'm having such a good ride with Matt Cause because I just think he does amazing work. And I always enjoy, in spite of the fact that I'm not particularly knowledgeable about sports, I love sports radio. And one of the things I love about it is that they can be talking about sports, but they're really talking about everything else at the same time. Matt Cause from TSN is going to be here this morning at 8.05. He was quite definitive. And boy, did he end up getting a lot of heat and attention uh, following, I guess it was Sunday night's game. So he appeared on our show on Monday morning, and then he was on CP24. And then, of course, he has his own show, and then he's... Um, you know, appearing across all kinds of platforms. And he was like, that's it. It's over. Um, this team doesn't work. They can't bring their game to the table or whatever you want to say. Do we have a clip of Matt? Okay, They've let's... got to look at all of them. Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander. I, if I was the Leafs, if they were get the number one pick for Connor Bedard, I would trade Austin Matthews to that team in a heartbeat. Wow. Okay. You're being very, very categorical and definitive today, but I guess that's what we need. Yeah, and he was. Because, uh, I mean, you know, the series isn't over. The season isn't done. And Matt Cause is already picking this team apart the way a four-year-old picks apart an ant and uh, coming up with some sort of a new formula. Uh, but listen, Leafs are down three zip in the series. This is the second round. I am not entirely buying, in spite of what incredible sports enthusiasts they are, uh, Deb Hutton and Michelle Morrow were offering this analysis like, well, at least we got to the second round. Not good enough. That's, you know, you may remember this commercial. Let me know if you do, actually, because I've always felt like it's almost a Twilight Zone episode in my life. 
years ago, I think in the 70s, there was this ad and this mom is um, in the kitchen with a kid and she says, how did the game go? And he says, we lost again. And she puts a mug of hot cocoa in front of him and says, but at least you tried. And I remember that commercial vividly, but I was working on an article for a magazine where they fact checked everything. I mean, honestly, they would fact check how I spelled my own name. And they said, we can find no proof that this commercial ever aired. So you have to take that reference out of the article. And I just thought that is, you know, that's like the vanishing hitchhiker, the famous urban myth. It's like, how can you tell me that I do not actually remember a commercial that I vividly remember? But yeah, uh, in, in listening to Deb Hutton and Michelle Morrow on one of our roundtables saying, well, you know, at least we got to the second round. No, that's, that's a consolation prize. So uh, 512 is the time. We're going to hook up in just a couple of minutes with our friends at CP24 to talk about, we like to call the segment, what Toronto is talking about. And it's not always the five things you need to know that we end up talking about with CP24, because the five things you need to know, like, for example, uh, price of gas is up five cents. That's on the five things you need to know. That's not really what Toronto is talking about. I mean, you may share that with somebody in your life later today, or you may make uh, you know, some choices about when you gas up, but I don't know that if that's what Toronto is talking about. Um, but a few stories before we get to our friends at CP24. Have you noticed that great big red ball in the sky? The sunsets in particular, but also the sunrise, and I can't see the sun when it comes up from where our studios are situated. So if you notice a particularly vivid sunrise, take a picture of it, send it to us. We'll share it on our social media platforms. But all of this is because there is an awful lot of particulate matter in the air owing to the fires in Alberta. So I haven't smelled it yet. I don't know if you have. You can always send us a text at 71010. I have not smelled the smoke in the air. And there have been times where we have had forest fires and it eventually starts wafting over the city and you think, yeah, it smells like a big pizza oven. Um, but sunrises and sunsets in the GTA are a lot warmer in color owing to all of the smoke that is billowing into the skies and now drifting as all weather and airflow does from west to east. So it'll be interesting to see what's in the skies this morning. One of the things we're definitely going to be debating on the roundtables, who's on, ooh, it's Preet Banerjee. Uh, Preet Banerjee is going to be here at 6.20 on the morning brief. And then, of course, we have the roundtables at 7.45 and 8.45. But it's been interesting to note the issues that have become hot-button issues in the mayor's election. And yesterday it was the turn of bike paths. And Mark Saunders, former police chief, I found it a little bit of a disconnect for him to say, I'm not against bike lanes, but I'm going to rip them all out. Um, and And... I think against actual sound research and survey, uh, Mark Saunders is not actually correct when he says that it harms business. All indications are that when you install bike lanes, it's good for business because the number of people who actually drive to a coffee shop, a dry cleaners, um, various other commerces, the number of people who drive versus those who walk take transit and then walk, or ride a bike, is actually grossly exaggerated. 
Anyway, uh, Josh Matlow decided to unload on him, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Okay, let's say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, happy Wednesday. Uh, let's get into it. So tonight is a very big game. Uh, Leafs fans will be bracing themselves in this Leafs uh, do-or-die game four. Yeah, and it is. You're absolutely right. Do or die. The Leafs are down three zip in the second round. So if they lose tonight, it's all over but the shouting. They'll play the Panthers puck drop at seven. I'd imagine you have Matt Cause in studio at some point this morning. So I'll let him do the heavy lifting. But, you know, following Sunday night's defeat, he was pretty categorical that this team needs to be broken down and re, mm. you know, recommissioned. Wow. Okay, so we'll see what happens uh, after tonight, but fingers crossed nonetheless. And yesterday we saw several uh, mayoral candidates uh, do their thing, try to drum up some voters' uh, support for their campaigns, and a lot of them are sparring over bike lanes. Yeah, I've lost track now of how many people are in the race. I think three more people registered yesterday, which should bring us to about 78. The nominations or submissions end on Friday. But you're right. Um, you know, day to day, different issues have popped up as hot button issues. The latest was bike paths. Uh, Mark Saunders, former police chief yesterday, saying, quote, I'm not against bike lanes, but then saying that he would rip several major bike lanes out, including the one on University and the one on Young Street. Josh Matlow punching back and saying he is simply wrong. And as a matter of fact, when they said why, he said it's stupid. So mm. I, I think this race is going to get even hotter as the weeks continue. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and turning to this now, quite interesting. A Toronto school has taken down a Mother's Day message on kind of their signage uh, outside the school following some criticism uh, from parents. This is one of those gifts to talk radio, and we'll certainly spend some time talking about it this morning. Outside of a school, in honor of Mother's Day, they posted, Life does not come with a manual. It comes with a mom. And <laughs> one person on social media started to write about this and said, well, what about, you know, kids who have two dads or kids mm. whose moms have died or kid, right. you know, on and on, kids in foster care. And so the message has been shifted. But it's one of those you know, test examples of how people can get angry about pretty well anything these days. Yeah, we've definitely entered a new era of uh, kind of everyone gets offended. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how you guys tackle this one on the radio. Uh, interested <laughs> to see those opinions come in. And uh, this is interesting, too. A Toronto area man is outraged to find that his license was stripped after admitting himself to the hospital uh, in a mental health crisis. What an interesting case study this is. It happened in 2021. Austin Smith, and that is not actually his real name, mm. uh, he checked himself into a psychiatric hospital. He was suffering from psychosis and depression. He was treated successfully, but when he got out, he found out that a note in his file said that his license was being removed from him, his license to drive a car. He's a landscaper, so he mm. absolutely needs a license in order to make a living. And it, this is further complicated by the fact that in order to get a license, restored, you need to have a family doctor. And like a million other Ontarians, he doesn't have his own family oh, doctor. Man. Okay, what a frustrating loop mm -hmm. uh, to be in. Uh, and we uh, talked about this a few days ago. We did a kicker <laughs> chat about how the Carl's Jr. in Buckeye, Arizona was turning to AI for their drive-thru. And it looks like Wendy's is now doing the same thing. Uh, AI-powered chatbots to help with those drive-thru orders. 
Yes, when you are talking into that box and having an incomprehensible reverse feed from whoever's talking at you, that person will actually be a chat bot moving forward. <laughs> Wendy's insists that this pilot project is probably going to work out very well because there are only so many things you talk about when you're placing an order at a fast food restaurant. There's only so many questions, reservations, or you know uh, whatever else you might raise, and so the robot will be able to process it. They also insist this is not going to cost anybody a job because they'll simply move people mm -hmm. over from the job of receiving the order to processing the order. Yeah, as long as they get my Frosty order right, I'm A-OK -okay <laughs> with this one. Not the junior Frosty, the big one, always the big one. All right, News Talk 1010's John Moore. Have a great show. We'll chat with you tomorrow. Take you care. Too. Jennifer Chang over at CP24 didn't know she was such a big fan of Frosties. I have to admit, I, I guess there's probably a great deal of brand loyalty when it comes to fast food because I've kind of been a McDonald's guy my entire life and I haven't been to a Wendy's or what's the other one? Henry's? Um, Harvey's. 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 Good <laughs> Canadian brand. <laughs> yeah. I sound more and more like my father every day. Uh, yeah, no, I've just been a McDonald's guy uh, my entire life. I will never forget, actually, because I grew up in a very, very sort of strict Presbyterian type family. Okay, they were United Church, but they were very sort of British. Like all of the children's books our parents read to us from were about disobedient children who go missing. And we never had dessert. To this day, I am still not a dessert eater, which I suppose has saved me my waistline and some cash. And there was never to be any fast food. But the very first McDonald's that opened in Montreal was on Cote St. Luke, not far from our house. And I kept on pestering my mother because I thought this might be interesting. And one day without actually, without any fanfare or announcement, um, we were coming home from something and she drove up and parked in the parking lot. We went in and had McDonald's. And I don't remember what I had that day. I guess it was probably a traditional McDonald's burger, but I was probably about eight years old. And so it's been a good long time that I've been patronizing McDonald's. Back to the story, though, about AI. And I find it fascinating and perhaps somewhat worrisome how much time we have spent over about the last four months talking about AI and everything it's going to replace. And yesterday on our show, we talked with John Rogers, who is a television producer and scriptwriter, and he's currently on strike as a scriptwriter. And he was talking about one of the issues being the use of AI to write scripts. And I heard from a couple of people who said, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, no, you need to understand. There, there are newspaper articles currently being written by AI. There are ads being written by AI. And there is no reason why. You know, nobody's going to write the matrix. You know, AI is not going to write the matrix. But it could easily write one of those... Um, Hallmark Movies of the Week, because it's the same movie over and over and over again. A plucky young copywriter goes home to wrap up the estate of her spinster aunt and meets the high school sweetheart she used to love, who is now a carpenter. Cute meet, disagreement, breakup, best friend conversation, reunited, End of story. There's no reason why that couldn't be written by AI. And you wouldn't, you know, it's not supposed to be trenchant dialogue. It's just supposed to be marching you through the plot. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 538 on this Wednesday, May 10th. I'll have to 
Google this day in history because some days I look at a date and I think doesn't seem to ring a bell. I know that we uh, did. I was being scolded by some people for jumping over the 8th of May, which was VE Day, without some degree of recognition. And speaking of the climax and end of the Second World War, it was interesting listening to a report. I say listening, it was a TV report, but I listened to the evening news while I'm making my way to the office in the morning. And there was a report on Russia's Victory Day, which is normally, aside from May 1st, it's normally a really big occasion. It's a grand military parade. But the fact of the matter is so many of their resources are deployed in Ukraine and the war is going so badly for Russia that the parade was a paltry affair and it featured a desultory 10-minute speech by Vladimir Putin. And perhaps most significantly, a custom on Victory Day in Russia has always been that people bring out pictures of their glorious dead. And when those are black and white pictures of people who died 80 years ago, that's one thing. But when they're pictures of somebody who died last week in a futile war in Ukraine, it's another. So this year they banned the practice. They didn't want, it's particularly its mothers who will bring pictures of their dead sons. And they decided that that would be too grim because it might be just a bit like the South American practice of uh, mothers parading around every day with pictures of their sons who had been abducted and killed by dictators up until the point where all of a sudden society realized something was going desperately wrong. Uh, but back to local and uh, some accounting today of a story we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And I just want to sort of set this into context. This is Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which was contracted by the city of Toronto to run the World Cup, the FIFA Cup in 2026. And, you know, Jerry was talking about this and he's not wrong, where he said we had to find somebody to run this as a turnkey operation and they shouldn't be compelled to lose money. True, but there have to be some checks and balances in a deal like this where you can't just run it as you please and then if you start losing money you come back to the city and say hey sorry it's not working out you guys have got to fill in the gaps here and what we're learning and this is informed by the fact that the city council is meeting today so i'm sure there's going to be a lot of heat about this uh, the deal that was made between toronto and mlse was unknown to city councils, unknown to elected officials. And we kind of confirmed that when Paula Fletcher appeared on the show the day that this story first broke. And it's binding. So the city manager went in and we were told it was a letter of agreement, but apparently it's, it's a deal. And a deal was made sort of under the noses, but without the uh, informing them. Uh, of, of elected officials. The deal was made. And so I would imagine there's going to be some color today at Toronto City Hall as council meets. Do we have that clip of um, Paula Fletcher from when she appeared? Because she was here, I forget what she was on the show to talk about, but I mean, when you got a breaking story like that, you got to ask a city councillor. And so I said, you know, what is your knowledge of this deal? Uh, that must have been in the fine print, John. I don't remember that being a decision point uh, for us to say that we'll cover off the losses. Uh, that would be uh, 
we are a city that is very much in debt, as you well know, and I don't know how we're going to take on another FIFA debt. I'd say that's going to be an interesting conversation. Meanwhile, uh, three more people signed up to run for mayor of Toronto yesterday, so we're closing in on 80. But let's face it, there are about eight to 10 people running for mayor of Toronto who people are really paying attention to. And two of them were sniping at each other yesterday. I mean, you got to stand out, right? So like Anthony Fury posts a video almost every day. I think he's got a pretty good media campaign. I also think Brad Bradford is very effective on video. Although I find it interesting, Brad Bradford on video is always walking like he's, he's, you know, in one of those Olympic walking races. And I think the reason, okay, this is such a sidebar, but it's worthy of note. I've, I was telling John Burnside about this off the air. But when you watch people on a TV show or in movies and they're walking, they never walk quickly or they never even walk the speed at which the average person walks because it's too hard to follow them with the camera. So when somebody actually walks, and I guess maybe he's got a steady cam and somebody's running in front of him, but when Brad Bradford actually walks like a normal person, it looks like he's running because we're so unused to that. But anyway, that that's, you know, uh, sidebar stuff. When it comes to Mark Saunders, um, and again, everybody's trying to stand out, right? So announcements about housing, announcements about um, gridlock and blocking the box. And a bylaw was on blocking the box yesterday. And Mark Saunders had this somewhat disconsonant assertion that he's not against bike lanes, but he wants to rip a whole bunch of them out. Here's Mark Saunders. Establish an accessibility and disability rights group to ensure people with disabilities can get around their city. And last, explore the impact of bike lanes on snow clearing around residential and business areas. We need to stop putting bike lanes on major arteries that are already paralyzed by congestion. Let's build a safer, more affordable and livable city. Let's protect Toronto future together. Now, what's interesting is that as these candidates stake out their positions, then their rivals are going to become more entrenched in other positions. So yesterday, Josh Matlow actually used the word stupid in describing the idea of ripping out bike lanes. But you can imagine that when people like uh, Anthony Fury and Mark Saunders say that they want to rip out bike lanes, that people like Olivia Chow and Josh Matlow are going to double down on them. And I find it fascinating some of the issues that this race is coming down to. I mean, I think we all care about Ontario Place, but not enough. It's not going to be top of mind when I walk into the voting booth on the 26th of June. It's like, oh gosh, is there going to be a spa? Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. And that Trump trial was a fascinating affair. He did send a lawyer, but he refused to appear. But in the States, unlike Canada, you can, in a civil trial, opt for a jury. 
And of course, the difference here is Donald Trump was not charged by a prosecutor with sexual assault. He was being sued by a woman who said that he sexually assaulted her. And then the additional charge was that he defamed her when he mocked her for telling that story many, many years later. There's a lot of subtlety to this particular case. I mean, one takeaway would be Donald Trump, since the 1970s, has made it his practice to settle out of court and then demand that it be sealed or that there be no admission of liability or guilt. And this time, he was not able or not willing to settle it out of court. And Eugene Carroll, who's a uh, former columnist, said that she was um, sexually assaulted in a change room at Bergdorf Goodman back in either 1995 or 1996. Now, you'd think that she'd have a pretty firm date noted. Uh, so that was part of a weakness in her case. However, there was also something, and this is common practice in cases like this. If there are people who will come to the stand and say, yeah, she told me about it at the time that it happened. Well, then that makes it much less likely that it's something you cooked up 30 years later and decided to, you know, turn into a story. If there are, and there were two women who said that Jean Carroll had actually told them at the time that it happened, that it had happened. Um, the other problem for Donald Trump in all of this would be, and normally he's pretty clever. I've watched a lot of video depositions by Donald Trump, and he's usually pretty wily. As a matter of fact, you think, okay, maybe there's more to Trump than we thought, because he knows how to stay out of legal trouble when he's being deposed, but this time he didn't. And, you know, they asked him about the famous videotape or the audio actually from, um, what was it, E? Um, anyway, he was talking with Billy Bush and effectively mapped out exactly what he was accused of having done to Gene Carroll, that you just attack a woman and do what you want. And if you're a star, you get away with it. And then they said, do you think you're a star? And he said, yeah. And then they said, you know, does this seem normal to you? And he says, well, for a million years, stars have been doing this. Doesn't play particularly well to the jury. And as mentioned, in Canada, we don't have jury civil trials. In the U.S., you can. And with a jury, it's much more possible that you can persuade, in this case, nine people of a matter of law. It's more likely you can get them to vote in your favor than a judge. Because a judge might say, okay, there's a lot of emotionalism here. There's a lot of uh, persuasive evidence. However, by rule of law, blah, 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 blah. So Gene Carroll was awarded $5 million. And Donald Trump's going to appear at a town hall tonight on CNN, which will be fascinating. But I think the most compelling takeaway in this whole thing would be that there was a time when Barack Obama wearing a tan suit was a 48-hour obsession on American talk radio and cable, conservative talk radio and cable. It was like, how dare the president of the United States wear a tan suit? Who does he think he is? Now Donald Trump has been found by a jury of nine people to effectively be a rapist. And oddly enough, there's going to be no impact. I mean, Donald Trump's family is uh, banned from doing charity work in New York State. Nobody cares. Donald Trump takes documents off to and, and possibly sells out American secrets to foreign enemies. Nobody cares. So from the five things you need to know, and as I said to Jennifer Sheng on CP24 this morning, this is God's gift to talk radio. 
a sign outside of Kew Beach Junior Public School in honor of Mother's Day has been taken down. It read, life does not come with a manual, it comes with a mom. And it all started as everything does now with one person on social media, I think in this case it was on Facebook, saying, well, what about families that don't have children? What about children who don't have a mother? How are they going to feel about this? What about children with two daddies? What about children whose mothers have died? What about children who are in foster care? So it's not really their mother, it's their caregiver. So that was enough. People started piling on. It was called in bad taste and inappropriate and mega exclusionary. And so now it's been taken down. And this for me is, we've, we're living in a very strange time and I don't see it ever changing, you know, moving forward. But everything is about not is something offensive, but is there any means by which we could f construe it to be offensive? And so everything becomes concern trolling, as it's known. And in this case, you know, life does not come with a manual that comes with a mom. All of a sudden was decided to be so offensive that not only has it been taken down, but I imagine somebody's probably going to get a letter in their file. So, John, you talked about what's the significance of May 10th. It was on this day in 1908 that Mother's Day is observed for the first time in Grafton, West Virginia. No way. How timely. Yeah. Okay. And you know, there's a great backstory to that that you'd want to follow up on for your, your show and your podcast. I was listening to, I think it was Cautionary Tales is a podcast I listened to. I, I listened to about a half dozen different podcasts that are all about telling stories, because I like to be able to share them with you as time goes by. And this was about the woman who invented Mother's Day, and she came to resent it because she felt that it was hijacked by the greeting card companies. More importantly, she felt it was hijacked by the flower companies, to the point where on Mother's Day, she actually went to a Mother's Day brunch in a restaurant and spat out her food and got up and walked out. Um, she was also a bit of a piece of work, to be perfectly honest. Uh, she was kind of resentful that she didn't get the credit she felt she deserved. Um, but yeah, she invented Mother's Day because she thought it was a, an honorable occasion, and then she was all mad because it turned into a big corporate sellout. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.